Welcome to the Design of Communication podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Keeling, and this podcast is about how you can become a confident communicator as a design, tech, or creative professional. Sharing career strategies, language tips and insights, and communication techniques to become a powerful communicator and excel in your career and reach a new level of confidence in English. Imagine you are traveling to the UK for the first time. You arrive at the airport and you aren't greeted with a smile at immigration. They seem to make a joke, but you aren't sure if it's supposed to be funny or you're going to be sent home. It's likely just the British sense of humor. In fact, I felt this when I arrived in Canada. The immigration officer wanted to know why I was there for 24 hours. It was a stopover on my way back to the UK. And he made a joke, but his tone was very sarcastic. And even as a native English speaker, there was this confusion if he was joking and trying to be funny or he was being rude. When English isn't your first language, it's hard to understand the meaning behind words. There gets a point where you understand the language, but It's the emotions and how people express themselves that is complicated. The UK is a country that is known for dealing with their grief privately. As I've said before, we are known for our stiff upper lips. Now, this is quite a cultural belief that actually stems from the Victorian era. They had a saying that children are to be seen and not heard. And I would say that this way of expressing emotion is pretty generational, that British hide their emotions and are private people. That means for some, silence is almost seen as a strength. We still feel some kind of pressure to keep calm and carry on. But yet, watch a football match and you'll see adult men crying and shouting for joy. If you are a non-native English speaker, it can be confusing to know how to share your emotions and what others are trying to really tell you. And as I've shared before, a big part of understanding a language, understanding English, is understanding the culture around it. Today, I will go into how we communicate emotions and use our intonation to share our feelings. Understanding emotion in another language can be quite complicated. Even in your own life, it can be difficult to gauge a situation and what is considered appropriate. I have many stories of times when I have seen others speak out Or I am not happy with the service in the restaurant and I will say something. If I see some kind of injustice or something that isn't right, I will speak up. And that isn't very British. 
I have friends from all over the world. In one time, I went to a restaurant with some course mates and they are from many different countries. They're from Singapore, Hong Kong, Germany, the US, South Korea. Anyway, on this occasion, one of my friends wasn't happy that the restaurant added a service charge. It wasn't that the food or service was bad. It's just in the UK, it isn't very common to tip. Unless you go to some restaurants, you might see a service charge added, which in this case, that is what they did. But you are in your right to say, I don't want to pay for the service charge. And you can ask it to be removed from the bill. As you can imagine, for some people that is very unusual. I know when I visited the US, tips are custom. I didn't have any Japanese friends there, but I know in Japan it is considered to be rude to tip and it's quite insulting. In Mexico, there's a law that says a restaurant cannot ask for a tip or add it without you saying so. So unless you get the permission, businesses are not allowed to add it on and they will ask you when you are paying for your meal. They will say, would you like to add a tip? And if you say no, that's it. It is always optional, but it is always appreciated. So for some, it was very inappropriate to ask for the service charge to be removed. Some of my friends were very embarrassed by it. Some felt terrible and apologized to the staff repeatedly. Then some of them were like, why are you apologizing? I will add the amount that I think is fair. And some of them were very quiet and didn't say anything. I'm sharing this because this is just one example of how culture can influence our emotions in certain situations. Expressing emotions and being emotional are two different things. Expressing emotions or an emotional expression is a behavior that communicates how we feel and our emotional state. We can express this through smiling, laughing, crying, and with our voices. There are six basic human emotions, anger, sadness, fear, disgust, surprise, and joy. In the situation at the restaurant, the waiters were surprised. They showed it through pausing. Their mouth slightly opened and their eyebrows kind of went up. And you could see the surprise in their facial expression and what they were saying. So they said something like, oh, okay. Another friend showed disgust. She said, I can't believe this. This is so embarrassing. On the other hand, being emotional is when your feelings might be out of control or you have a lot of them and you might be feeling a bit overwhelmed. You might feel sad inside, but it comes out as anger. And a lot of this comes down to biology. They are biologically based emotions and the way we express some of these emotions can be universal. Babies are, for example, 
experts at recognizing facial expressions. In just a few days of being born, a newborn can learn to discriminate different facial expressions, like a happy or a sad face. Another example is laughter is universal. Although I recently saw a meme with Voldemort from Harry Potter laughing in different languages. And it was so funny and also interesting to hear the differences that in Spanish, a laugh is very different than it would be in Russian or in Japanese. However, the culture and social pressures, as well as our own experiences, all shape how we express emotions. And there are different rules of what is considered normal or appropriate in how we express our emotions. There are rules that we learn when we're very young from our environment. Matsumoto's famous research in the 90s found that Japanese people are less likely to express negative emotions in front of other people compared to those in the US. There has also been other research into how different cultures show anger. And one particular research article that I recently read found that people in Greece and people in Israel, as well as the US and Germany, all show anger in substantially different ways. So people from different cultures may interpret the same social context in very different ways. Just thinking about my example at the restaurant, this was the case. And as a non-native speaker, you might want to show surprise or that you're embarrassed and maybe some more complex emotions, but you're not sure how to do this appropriately. Languages like music and the intonation is the musical patterns of speech. You have probably heard of rising intonation. So when your voice rises at the end of a sentence, it can also fall or it can remain flat. We can say the same sentence in three different ways and it will convey a different meaning. Intonation is what indicates the mood of the speaker. There are actually seven types of intonation patterns in English. Depending on the intonation pattern you use, you will tell your listener what emotion you are feeling or want to express. And we do this without being aware most of the time. If I am surprised, I would rise in my intonation at the end. Let's use the example really. A flat tone would be quite neutral, really. A rising tone would sound like this, really, really. A falling tone would sound like this, really, really. And a flat tone could indicate sarcasm. A flat tone might be like, really, really. A rising tone could indicate surprise. Really? Really? And a falling tone could indicate disgust. Really? Really? Our intonation 
changes our meaning. And we can show that we're surprised or that we're being sarcastic. We might also change our intonation to indicate that we are asking a question. Interestingly, though, there are two ways of indicating a question in English. And not all questions will rise at the end, like they do in some languages. When we ask a how, what, why, any of the W questions, our intonation tends to fall at the end. What's your name? This can be very confusing to some non-native English speakers as they are unsure if they're being asked a question or not. I'm going to do a little activity. I will read the same sentence, but every time I will change my tone or stress on a certain word. As I do this, I want you to think about the emotions that you feel from what I am saying. Am I conveying disgust, confusion, panic, excitement? Okay, let's try the first one. You are having a party next week. 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 Okay, let's go back and listen. So in the first attempt, I emphasized the you. You are having a party next week. And this would show maybe multiple things. But the first one is I'm not sure who is having a party. So it's you. Is it you or your friend? But also the surprise that you are the one hosting a party. You are having a party? If I was unsure about when the party was going to be, I could stress the next week and go up. You are having a party next week? The third attempt was more of a surprise. I was showing excitement by rising and stressing every word and going up into in my intonation. You are having a party next week? As you have just heard, your intonation can convey a lot to the listener. It can also indicate that you have finished speaking or that you still have something to say. When you have finished a sentence, you will use a falling intonation pattern to indicate, I have stopped now. But if you want to continue and still have something to say, you will rise in your intonation at the end. Let's use this as an example. I have stopped now. I have stopped now. So as you can hear on the now, I go down. I've indicated that it's now your turn to speak. Another example, that sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. My intonation falls and now it's your turn to speak. Now listen to the intonation going up. I have stopped now. Uh, continue the sentence. That sounds good to me. Uh, continue the sentence. There are so many ways to use your intonation to show emotion, to be more direct and assertive, and also to indicate that you have finished speaking or that you would like to continue. There is also another example 
in adding on to what I've just mentioned. So if you are listing, so let's say you have a shopping list, you would typically rise in your intonation after every single item on the list. So I could ask you, what do you need to buy from the shop today? And you might say, I need some sugar, some milk, and then you would rise on each of the item. Our intonation can also indicate how polite we're being. Typically, if you wanted to show that you were being assertive, you would go down in your intonation and make a statement. And if you wanted to ask someone to do something, instead of being a command, you can make it more friendly by rising at the end. I won't go so much into the assertive language as I want to do that in a later episode. But if you would like to build your communication confidence in English, then check out my free guide and start building your confidence today. You can find it at guide.fluentspeakers.co.uk. I also have a couple of one-on-one coaching spaces available when we can work together for a shorter or a longer time, depending on your level and goals. If that sounds interesting to you, feel free to reach out and send me a message. Thanks so much for listening. You've got this. Bye for now. for listening to the design of communication if you have enjoyed today's episode and listening to the design of communication podcast then please follow us on spotify google and apple podcasts and share the link with a friend or colleague who will benefit any questions you might have feel free to send them my way i love hearing from you thank you so much see you next week